Oh, <coughs> dang, you know, you do know you're on the brain again, right? Okay, just make, just making sure you guys understand you're on the Brainwash Radio, Hollywood Network in Hollywood, Cali, Fortnite, one of the best motherfucking places in the whole universe. Dang, so fucking true, you want to live it here, but you just don't. But all those who do not, they get to listen to the brainwash radio howling one. where you exist in each one but live a different life and make different decisions resulting in a totally different outcome in each universe. We know this as the multiverse. But where did the idea for multiple universes come from? Today, we're going to confront the idea of the existence of a multiverse as recent discoveries in physics and astronomy could point to their existence. Have we finally found evidence for a parallel universe? Or... Is it something stranger we cannot comprehend? The universe that we know and exist in all began with the Big Bang, which expanded faster than the speed of light in a growth spurt called inflation. And for as long as there has been a universe, space has been expanding ever since it came into existence 13.8 billion years ago. And it continues to expand. As far as we know, our universe is a single expanding blob of space-time speckled with trillions of galaxies that now stretches 93 billion light-years from edge to edge. But beyond this limit, there are things we cannot see that could be something more or just an infinite expanse of nothingness. Our universe might be really, really big, but also finite, or it could be infinitely big. Both of these things are possibilities. However, if the universe is infinitely big, there are only so many ways that matter can arrange itself within that universe, and eventually, matter has to repeat and arrange itself in similar ways. If the universe is without an end, then it might just be home to parallel universes. If that sounds confusing, think of a deck of cards. If you shuffle the deck, there are only so many orderings that can happen. And if you shuffle it enough times, the order of cards has to repeat. With an infinite universe and only a finite number of complexions of matter, the way matter arranges itself will also have to repeat. That said, if a multiverse does exist, there would also be infinite versions of you. Other alternate versions of you might be doing the same thing you're doing right now, but some might be wearing different clothes and probably made vastly different career and life choices. You might drive a Ford Fiesta in one world, but drive a Ferrari in another. But how could this be possible? Because the observable universe extends only as far as light has traveled in 13.7 billion years since the Big Bang, 
the space-time beyond this distance can be considered to be its own separate universe. And if this is true, then there would be a multitude of universes existing next to each other in a giant patchwork of universes. Although the idea of parallel universes or a multiverse remains a mystery, with some calling the idea pure science fiction, it's still one of the biggest debates between experts, with some believing they exist, while others disagree. So now let's take a look at why some researchers think they exist, and the unexplained scientific events that could actually be proof that parallel universes might exist. But first, we need a little bit of physics to understand everything. In quantum theory, an elementary particle such as an electron doesn't exist in a single state, but a multiplicity of locations, velocities, and orientations. One of those most famous logic-defying experiments in physics is called the double slit experiment. Waves that pass through two narrow slits will form an interference pattern on a screen. It doesn't matter if it's light waves, water waves, or sound waves. However, light isn't only a wave. It's also a particle called a photon. Now, here's where it starts to get weird. If you shoot a photon through the double slits, it still forms an interference pattern, as if the photon was traveling through both slits at the same time. But here's where it gets more bizarre. Just by observing the double slit experiment, the behavior of the photon changes. Even if the photons are sent through the slits one at a time, there is still a wave present that produces the interference pattern. This is a wave of probability, because the experiment is set up so the scientists don't know which of the two slits the single photon will pass through. But if they try to find out which slit the photon really goes through by setting up detectors in front of each slit, then the interference pattern doesn't show up at all. So the scientists tried a variation on the double slit experiment and placed a special crystal at each slit that would split any incoming photon into an identical pair. One photon should create the standard interference pattern, while the other would travel to the detector. But the strangest thing is that it still didn't work. This means that observing a photon can change events that have already happened. This is still one of the greatest mysteries of quantum mechanics. From a physics point of view, parallel universes are one of those imaginative and compelling theories that's very difficult to test, if not impossible. However, the idea of many worlds began in 1926, when physicist Erwin Schrödinger demonstrated that the subatomic world is fundamentally blurry. In our familiar human-scale reality, an object exists in one well-defined place. Put your phone on the table next to you, and it's in the only place it can be, regardless if you're looking at it or not. But in the quantum realm, objects exist in a small state of probability and snap into focus only when observed. Before you look at an object, whether it's an electron or an atom, it's not in any definite location. It might be more likely that you observe the object in one place or another, but it's not located in a particular place. After nearly a century of experimentation, this phenomenon is a core aspect of the physical world. It might sound crazy, and even Einstein struggled with the idea. What happened to all the other possible locations where the object could have been? And why should an object's behavior depend on whether or not somebody was looking at it? Someone was bound to come up with a radical explanation for this phenomenon. And in 1957, a man by the name of Hugh Everett III, while he was having free shipping and handling. Everything is on free shipping and handling and five flexible payments. Um, so we're really...
Having a conversation with friends about physics, it was then he came up with the wild idea about how to fix this most perplexing problem in quantum mechanics. Therefore, Everett imagined a multiverse full of different realms in which all the possibilities dictated by quantum mechanics could exist at once. He proposed that all possible outcomes really do occur, but that only a single version plays out in the world we live in. All the other possibilities split off from us, with each one giving rise in its own separate world, and everything that can happen does happen in some world. All of this sounded really bizarre, and no one would take Everett seriously at the time. But now, some physicists are considering the possibility of a multiverse. In fact, theories of cosmology, quantum physics, and the very philosophy of science have some problems that could be solved if a multiverse existed. Along with the idea of multiple universes created by infinitely extending space-time, other universes could also come into existence from a theory called eternal inflation. We already talked about how the universe we're in expanded rapidly after the Big Bang and inflated somewhat like a balloon. Eternal inflation theorizes that some pockets of space stop inflating while others continue to inflate, giving the rise to many isolated bubble universes. That said, our own universe could be just a separate bubble in the vast sea of space that contains other bubble universes like ours. There's even another idea which comes from string theory called brain worlds, which are parallel universes that hover out of reach to our own. This theory is centered around the idea that there could be many more dimensions to our world besides the three space dimensions and the dimension of time. These three-dimensional brain worlds could exist in a higher dimensional space. So, is it possible that a multiverse or parallel universes could exist? Well, recently there was a scientific experiment done, and the outcome was evidence of parallel universes. In 2016, a group of NASA scientists were working with NASA's Antarctic Impulsive Transient Antenna, or ANITA for short. It's a high-altitude helium balloon with an array of radio antennas. This instrument was designed to detect ultra-high energy cosmic ray neutrinos, which are high-energy particles a million times more powerful than anything we can create on Earth. And they're the only neutrinos that can reach Earth without being weakened or reduced. Low-energy subatomic neutrinos with a mass close...
Before we were using Monday.com, our team was drowning in work. Our days used to split between work and managing work.
find stores easier than you think. Let me show you how to quickly open one with Shopify. First, go to Shopify.com and... and I'm the owner of RR Buildings. Before I even make my first cut on site, I make sure that I've got business insurance. Now that's where Next Insurance comes in and let me show you just how easy it is to set up right here on your phone. All I have to do is go to the website. I'm gonna enter in a little bit of my business information and it's gonna start populating a quote for me. So not only is Next up to 30% cheaper, but you can manage your policy, even show proof of insurance all from your phone, no matter where you are. So Next Insurance is not only backed by Giants, but also rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. So what are you waiting for? Click below to join the over 100,000 businesses that are currently covered by Next Insurance.
make it fun. We make it easy. Find your perfect place to stay. Booking.com. Booking. Yeah.
you're still trying to figure out how to start an online business or how to get people to actually buy from you over the internet, I have some really good news for you. Watch Radio Hollywood. You'll be loving it. We'll be right back with more tunage. Stay tuned for more bitches and hoes and all your knows. Pretty much Radio News, bitches. Kevin McGuire. So, a very good evening. Nice to see you both. Um, and you will be with us up until around midnight. So, um, we'll speak to you in just a moment. Uh, first, though, let's uh, check in on what on the front pages for tomorrow morning and the end of the year ordeal for the British Iranian hostage Nazanin gets home. It's the Guardian's lead story as well, featuring Nazanin there on the plane. 
I don't telegraph quotes her husband's words to their young daughter. Mummy really is coming home. The Daily Mail does something similar with Mummy's home at last. And the mirror puts it home for a nice cuppa. The Express 2 pictures Nazanin on the cover with the headline, The Smile That Says I'm Free. From the lunch, there was a, uh, a press release, and it was through We Buy Black, and that's what got us the momentum that we needed. So I can say we're doing much better thanks to We Buy Black. Very essential. And a reminder that by scanning the QR code that you can see on screen during the programme, you can check out all those front pages for yourself of tomorrow's papers while you watch us. And so here with me, Andrew Pierce and Kevin Maguire. Um, Good to see you both on an evening where there is some good news um, on many of the front pages. Andrew, really seeing these uh, pictures across the papers, you picked out the Daily Mail, your own paper, uh, to start with, uh, of Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe sitting on a plane, uh, taking her away from Iran after six years in detention, and after a tense 24 hours as well. Um, it is such a pleasure, isn't it, to see a sign of, of pure positivity amidst all the gloom of recent news. Yeah, it's a lovely photograph of her. Look how she's smiling because she's feeling liberated. She knows she's almost she's almost there now. But the, the, the mummy's home at last is, is a very human touch because it must have been, apart from being incarcerated in that prison for five years, she then was in, had, in, under effect of house arrest in her parents' home, not to be able to see her daughter. Uh, um, I mean, her daughter was two, I think, when she got locked up. Uh, and... Um, She's going to be reunited. It's going to be a very emotional reunion, isn't it? And um, and it's going to be very difficult for the daughter, daughter to because she hardly knows her mum now. Um, she's kept in touch with telephone conversations and, and uh, through 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 the, the, the phone. But um, oh, it'll be a fly on the wall for when they are reunited. And Richard is the dad. He's a most fantastic guy. Kevin and I have met him many many times in various TV studios. He's been in the most articulate advocate for his wife uh, and he's been heroic because he's had to combine his job with being a single parent too with keeping up the pressure on the government which also included last year if you remember a three-week hunger strike he is a remarkable man and um, uh, and I, I, I it's just fabulous to think how excited he must be now to know he's getting his family back Absolutely. And at the front of the Daily Telegraph as well, that same picture of Nazanin, uh, that's her on the flight from Muscat. She, she went to Oman, first of all, uh, before she, she's due to land in the next few hours. Their headline as well, Mummy really is coming home, reflecting Richard Ratcliffe's uh, words, uh, Kevin. And a lot of questions today, people welcoming the news, but also asking why it's taken so long. How much difference do you think that Richard Ratcliffe himself has made to galvanising the government and bringing together some kind of deal? I think, I think a huge amount in keeping the case in the public eye, um, a defying foreign office advice, which was essentially keep quiet, uh, keep out of sight, don't do anything, we will deal with it. And he, he knew that would have just ended uh, absolutely nowhere. And Richard Rat Ratcliffe, as uh, Andrew said, is, a, is just a remarkable guy, absolutely brilliant campaigner, uh, saw him uh, on his hunger strike in, in Whitehall when he was outside the Iranian embassy uh, countless times, absolutely tireless, uh, as were the family of uh, Anusha Shuri, who was also coming home, uh, uh, going to be re reunited uh, too, but you, you 
you got to think, how did it go on for so long? How how were mistakes made along the line? And, and Jeremy Hunt, who was a foreign secretary, it's happened under Liz Truss's as, uh, watch, um, fortunate in one way, but also she deserves credit as, as Tulip Sadiq, the Labour MP, who re- represents the, uh, the Ratcliffs, uh, who's been brilliant herself, uh, acknowledged uh, Truss's uh, role in making direct contact with the Iranians and foreign minister try and reset relations after there was a new government about six months ago in Tehran. But you know, Jeremy Hunt, my foreign secretary, he said back, uh, you know, four years back, that he could see immediately the link with Britain's unpaid debt, the near four hundred million pounds from the undelivered tanks going back to the end of the Shah's reign in the in the nineteen seventies. And why did we not get there quicker? Because uh, Nazan Zagari Ratcliffe, uh, yeah, it's relief as uh, Andrew said, beaming freedom. But she's had six years of absolute hell. And I remember the moment she sent Gabriella home because, of course, her, her daughter was with her when she was arrested at uh, Tehran Airport. She'd taken her to see her, her parents, and she, she sent she sent her back to Britain because originally she was with her parents, visited her in jail. But then she took the decision to get her a safety. Um, that, for a, for a mother, must have been an almighty wrench. Because, of course, you always want to do what's best for your child, but you also want to keep them close. Uh, and to send uh, Gabrielle, who's now seven, uh, uh, ahead to London, she must have been counting the days for years. Yeah, absolutely. And let's take a look at the, the um, Guardian's front page as well, uh, shall we, Andrew? Um, Zagari Ratcliffe released after six years in Iran jail. But uh, as Kevin was saying there, we should remember that Anoushe Ashuri, also on that flight, arrested in 2017, also accused of spying, um, also released and on that same flight back too. But uh, the Guardian also reminds us that there is also a third, well, it says dual national here. I think they're tri-national. I think they have British, Iranian, yeah. An American nationality, Andrew, don't they? Uh, released from prison, yeah. but not released from Iran. No, and and, and their feeling, um, while all, all attention naturally is focused on Nazarene, because she's a mum, she's a woman, uh, uh, that he has been overlooked and neglected, and uh, and it's hard not to to agree with that. They must be while they're, they're, the family of him will be feeling thrilled that Nazarene and the other guy are on their way back. It must be very frustrating that while he's out of prison, he's still in Iran, and they'll want to get him home as quickly as possible. Now, maybe Liz Truss has broke, had this breakthrough with her uh, foreign minister counterpart in Iran. Perhaps she can uh, now secure that one too. I think she's done well, actually. Um, it's easy to say that um, I, I, the, the local MP has been very good, but there's no doubt Liz Truss, when she became foreign minister, she made Nazanin a priority. It was one of the first things she did on her first day as foreign secretary. She really, really wanted to get it sorted. And effectively what we've done, we've paid a ransom. Now, now the government will never admit that because we don't pay ransoms to hostages, but we have paid a ransom because Nazanin was kidnapped. She was kidnapped by the Iranian state on trumped-up charges, and we paid a ransom and got her out. And I suspect that was part of the holdup. The government did okay. not want to be seen to be do, do you think it's fair to characterise it like that? So Kevin, I mean, Liz Truss was at pains to stress that this was not money that was going in, in cash in any way. It was going into, in, in the form of humanitarian aid. It wasn't going to be a problem as far as sanctions or money laundering regulations were concerned. They'd obviously gone to some effort to make sure that the, the, the payment was made in an appropriate way. 
Yeah, I think I think that's just a bit of cover, really. Once it's there, they can spend on whatever they they like. But the reason I would say is not a, a, a ransom, although I agree that they were held hostage and it was clearly linked to the, the four hundred million or near four hundred million, is because it was a debt. It was a debt that uh, that Britain should have repaid many years earlier. We owed the money. Uh, Jeremy Hunt has uh, stressed that, but. You've really got to feel sorry for the family and uh, Murad Tabaz himself. Because he was born in Hammersmith in, uh, in London. But as you say, he is a, a, a tri-national. He also has a US uh, citizenship. And so the Iranians see him as an American and separate to the deal with uh, Britain. And reading in The Guardian, uh, Patrick Winter, who covers foreign affairs for them, is very, very well informed and very, very thoughtful and measured. Uh, says the foreign office actually tried to include Murad T- uh, Tabaz in the deal, but they couldn't get anywhere. So in the end, they've got the two out, but I'm sure there will be very, very heavy hearts okay. on that there is somebody else yeah. there who has been left behind. Yeah, released from jail, um, at, le- at least we know that, and obviously everyone are keeping their fingers crossed uh, for him too. Um, let's move on to the situation in Ukraine. We've only got a few minutes left, and uh, obviously it's still a, a huge... Um, area of concern. The front of the Financial Times, Andrew, has an interesting article, doesn't it, um, which talks about a possible plan that will, could form a basis for, for, for peace talks at the moment. So what does it tell us? Well, uh, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's a long way off, I think, but I mean, at least both sides are talking, and it's all about um, the uh, carve-up of territory. Now, um, the, the idea being that um, Putin gives up the territory he's encroached on, gained during this war, and probably just keeps the, 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 the Crimea and the stuff, the annex in 2014. Uh, and, and of course, this will all be linked to Ukraine giving up its commitment, its wish to join NATO. But I don't, um, but is Putin really going to give up the territory that, that he's, he's lost thousands of people? Uh, um, fighting over i don't know but that's what it's all about at the moment when they are talking and that's got to be encouraging uh, and um, i'm sure zelensky that extraordinary inspiring ukrainian president will want to do it if he can do well uh, and kevin that talking does continue but so do the bombs too the front of the telegraph um covers this uh, hideous um story, the reports that, that Russia has bombed a theatre where the suggestion is amongst local Ukrainians that um, around a thousand people could have been sheltering. No, absolutely. Yeah. If, if, the, if the talks of a hope, this is the horror and the horror continuing uh, across much of Ukraine. And look, on, on that theatre, as you, as you say, uh, the figures seem to vary from a thousand to, uh, to 1,200 families, mainly children sheltering there, written on the building in Russian that it was uh, housing children. You dread to think now what's going to follow um, if if it has been hit. It looks like it, it has because we know this time last week we were discussing the hospital and the what had happened there. And of course, there was that picture of the, of the uh, very pregnant woman being carried out on a stretcher, and then you learn later that she and the baby died. Uh, no, look, these these are war crimes, unquestionably. No. Joe Biden, the U.S. president, said Putin was a was a war criminal. Putin and the Kremlin seemed to have got rather upset about that. Well, what else can you call bombing and shelling uh, very urban areas, whether it, whether it's hospitals, theaters, houses, uh, whatever, or, or shooting people in a, a bread uh, queue? I mean, this is just utterly, utterly horrific. 
absolutely. Uh, well, Andrew and Kevin, we're out of time for this particular section.
It's at five o'clock. This is the early rundown. Making the news today. Home at last. Nazanin Zagari Radcliffe and Anusha Ashuri are back in the UK after years of detention in Iran. There was a wave and a smile as they walked off the plane at RAF Bryce Norton just after 1am. And one little girl has finally got her daddy and her mummy back together. Also ahead, Moscow condemns President Biden for branding Vladimir Putin a war criminal over civilian deaths in Ukraine. According to the United Nations, at least 726 civilians are so far confirmed to have been killed since the invasion began. The Prime Minister says things are changing in Saudi Arabia, but there's outrage from human rights groups as three more people are executed on the day of his visit. And we will have a full run-through of the morning's front pages. Like my metal with the face, the rock, the mind, the trouble. I like my coffee. 
At Charmin, we heard you shouldn't talk about going to the bathroom in public, so we decided to sing about it. Charmin's Super Mega Roll is six regular rolls in one. Enjoy the go with Charmin. Alexa, what is love? Millions of people ask Alexa about love. Love Has No Labels has partnered with Alexa to update the response to include people's stories of everyday acts of love that made them feel seen, heard, loved, and included. To learn more, just say, Alexa, what is love? Yeah. 
Brittany Spanos, Rolling Stones senior writer and host of Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Albums podcast. Season two of the podcast delves into the making and meaning of classic albums from our all-new genre-spanning list, including the Beatles' Let It Be, Britney Spears' Blackout, Weezer's Blue Album, and Dolly Parton's Code of Many Colors, with exclusive commentary from the artists themselves and their collaborators. Follow and listen right here on Amazon Music. Stoß in ihren Schoß. 
right back after these massages in your vaginas. Oh, my God. 
At Charmin, we heard you shouldn't talk about going to the bathroom in public, so we decided to sing about it. Charmin's Super Mega Roll is six regular rolls in one. Enjoy the go with Charmin. Alexa, what is love? Millions of people ask Alexa about love. Love Has No Labels has partnered with Alexa to update the response to include people's stories of everyday acts of love that made them feel seen, heard, loved, and included. To learn more, just say, Alexa, what is love?
I'm Brittany Spanos, Rolling Stones senior writer and host of Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Albums podcast. Season two of the podcast delves into the making and meaning of classic albums from our all-new genre-spanning list, including the Beatles' Let It Be, Britney Spears' Blackout, Weezer's Blue Album, and Dolly Parton's Code of Many Colors, with exclusive commentary from the artists themselves and their collaborators. Follow and listen right here on Amazon Music. Oh, 
after these massages in your vaginas. (laughs) 